You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Mix You podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my great friends Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. What's up? How you doing, guys? And we are just here today to let you in on just a little bit of a conversation between the three of us. Um, when we do a Mix You event, which is an all-day front-of-house mixing seminar, uh, we basically just let the audience eavesdrop on a conversation between the three of us as we uh, work with three different consoles, three different sets of tracks, three different approaches to mixing, and just ask each other about how and why we do what we do. So we thought we would take that idea into a semi-regular podcast format to let you all just sort of continue to eavesdrop on the kinds of things that we're thinking about and talking about. It might be industry trends or uh, maybe a PA of the day that we've heard about or um, an integrator who's doing a great job in a church or... Uh, an integrator who's doing a crappy job? <laughs> that might come up too. Um, and so it's, it's really just a chance for the three of us to continue the conversations that we start when we're together in person. Um, in fact, it's funny how the three of us got together in the first place. Lee, why don't you tell the story about kind yeah. of how, how Mix You came to be? So over the past few years, uh, Jeff and Andrew and I and even other colleagues and peers, uh, we get asked to teach at conferences or trade shows and things like that. So um, almost two years ago exactly, we were at um, Infocom in Orlando, and we just finished a full day of uh, teaching some audio classes and things like that. And uh, nothing wrong with Infocom, nothing wrong with conferences and trade shows, but we just felt like something was missing. And without uh, sounding arrogantly, a, a bit for us was like, where do we uh, get to go places and learn? So I don't know if you know this, but uh, all churches tend to meet at the same times. So it's hard for us to get out and hear each other uh, do what we do. Or if you're touring, typically you aren't um, on the same tour together. That's pretty rare. So we're sitting at dinner after Infocom, and we were legit going to rent out like a warehouse, load in consoles and tracks, and watch each other mix and ask each other questions. And then as I'm slicing into my cheesecake, a light bulb went off, and I said, you know what, guys? I think the church community would actually benefit from this. So what if we opened that up and actually created like a, a not a conference, but a audio non-conference uh, type of event. And so here we are two years later with two years of really successful events. Well, the thing that I remember about the Infocom experience, it wasn't that Infocom is bad or that the content was bad, but I remember the moderator in one particular panel we were doing asked me, hey, what's the first thing you do when you walk up to a console? Well, it's a silly question when there's not a console in the room to walk up to. And so we thought, well, what if we just actually walked up to our consoles the way we would right. and talk about how we do what we do? And so it's been great just to get the feedback from the guys who come. Um, everybody is really enjoying it. It's a great day. We get to hear Andrew's sarcasm all day long, which is always <laughs> and uh, And always Andrew the brought most two consoles, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but it's, it's great. So for those of you who haven't experienced Mixed U, um, you know, obviously we'd love for you to come because we want as many people to be there as possible. But I really do feel like it is the one environment where um, 
people who do audio can get together in the same room. The filter comes off a little bit. A little? Well, (laughs) it's it's automatically off a little bit because we're audio guys. But um, we get to to share tips and tricks, but also kind of the why behind the what of what we do. And it really uh, resonates well with people. So, Andrew, why don't you tell everybody where our next event is and how they can sign up. Yeah. What's, what's cool about these is we've just been trying to pick places around the country that, um, we think have things already going on in town, uh, or there's already a a kind of a, a pretty, pretty good chunk of people that would show up. So we've tried to, uh, strategically plan some of these around, uh, NAM a couple of times, the Philo conference, uh, the first in last out kind of tech conference. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing, WFX later in the year, uh, we happen to have, um, if any of you follow uh, church on the move, we've, we did the seeds conference for five years in a row and, uh, we took last year off, but we're back this year in July, which is such a beautiful time to come to Oklahoma. I mean, oh, yeah. middle of July is great. So let's do it. But um, there's so many people that come here to kind of just see what's going on in the tech world and audio world and all that. Uh, it actually was brought up, uh, not by us, uh, but it was brought up by some people on the team here at, at Church on the Move. Hey, why don't you do a, why don't you do a, a mix you there? So we're having one the day before Seeds, which is probably... Uh, it's actually a really great time to have one because there's a lot of people traveling in and you can come hang out with us for a day, which what could be more exciting and thrilling than that? So in Tulsa, in Tulsa, I mean, there's nothing better. So anyway, so that's, uh, that's happening on July 17th, which is just around the corner, just a few weeks away. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very much looking at looking forward to it. And we all know conferences have a, a vibe and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that that we all look forward to or maybe hate about conferences. But I'm I think this one's going to be great because what a better way to get myself in the mindset of just what I've got to do at a conference than to do a mixed shoe. Because I think I'm speaking for all of us. Like we walk away challenged. And there's not oh, for one sure. of these we've done where I haven't taken something from you guys, and it's it goes back to the original reason we started these can we just get in a warehouse and listen to each other mix and get better? And we do it. We do it for ourselves. So it's, uh, I don't know. It becomes very inspiring to me to just get better and try new things. So anyway, uh, that's, so we'll be, uh, here on July 17th. You can, um, look on our website and get info and log on and get tickets and all that. That's, uh, mxu.rocks. Really simple. And we've got the other dates coming up this year on it too. So, great way yeah, to so we'll get be rolling. in Dallas, DC, Atlanta. Um, am I missing something? I think yeah. yeah, I think that's it. T- Tulsa, Atlanta, yeah. DC, and Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are whispers of MixU coming to Europe in the fall. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, but they are just whispers. They are not collusion between Car- the United States and. Eastern Europe, careless whispers at the moment. No, and we will we'll, we won't be in Russia. No, we will not we be. That fell through. It's not going to work. Our chief of staff <laughs> might be. 
<laughs> Great. So one of the things that we're going to talk about every episode is just stuff that we've seen in the world of social media and articles and Facebook posts and stuff that we think, okay, somebody needs to call foul. Um, because one of the things that we really want to do is to be helpful in terms of providing not just um, tips and tricks, but also accountability when it's needed. And, um, you know, we are responsible for stewardship and we all work with church resources that are very valuable. And so anytime we see people doing boneheaded stuff, we're really going to try to uh, kick them in the shins when necessary. So um, <laughs> I hope that's okay to say it that way, but um, it, I feel like somebody needs to. And so might as well be us. Cause Why not? What do we have to lose? Nothing at all. All the sponsors are going to leave the podcast. Oh, wait, this is not sponsored yet. <laughs> so one thing I heard about actually earlier today was uh, a church that is in the middle of a remodel. And they are actually kind of the, the backstory is they are trying to figure out what to do for their broadcast uh, to, mul to their multi-site locations. And so uh, the integrator was speaking to them about the quality of their cameras and some other upgrades that they wanted to do. And so the audio guy kind of piped up and said, well, these Avid consoles that we have um, need to be replaced. Now, mind you, they have less than 40 inputs and they're not broadcasting to ESPN. They're broadcasting their pastor's mic and a pair of audience mics to their multi-site locations. So every location has live worship in their own self-contained environment for worship. And then whoever's on video gets fed to other campuses. So it's not like they need a Studer or Euphonics broadcast quality desk, but he saw an opportunity to leverage what little input he had to say, I need a new console. So he thought that the best thing for him to do would be to try to take money out of their video cameras that would help the picture quality be better for everywhere. And instead, I say, stroke his own ego to sit behind an SSL desk. And I just wanted to get your guys' take on that especially the one of us who sits behind an SSL desk every Sunday. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have more than just a take on that. Um, and if you're out there and we're talking about you, please send us an email and we'll talk about this um, offline. Uh, but until then, we, we're using this as an example because you could apply this to a lot of different scenarios. And the console topic seems to be one that keeps coming up. Um, I think it's a bunch of crap. I think it's exactly what you're talking about. I think someone's wanting to stroke their own ego uh, because they think, you know, well, this console can't sound as good as that console. Um, this happened to me uh, last week. We're at Infocom. We were at a, uh, at a house with, you know, there's 30 or 40 people hanging out and <clears throat> a younger audio engineer was there and he's telling me about his church and a very similar thing. And he's, he was telling me, um, yeah, the QL console, it's great, but it's just really not doing it for me. I feel like we need something else to really take us where we want to go. And 
he is he approached me specifically and was seeking out some advice. So I took this as an opportunity to uh, feed him a slice of humble pie. So um, I just kind of looked at him and said, "Hey, can I be really honest with you and it and you not get mad because it could really upset you?" And he goes, "Well, yeah, sure." I go, "The only problem in this whole situation is you." You are the only problem with what you're talking about. If you're not lacking the results coming from the console, it's the guy standing behind the console, not the console itself. And his eyes like, you know, got lit up. And luckily, I think it motivated him because then he proceeded to ask probably 10 or 15 other questions. And it was great. And we had a great conversation. And the, uh, the guy's got a great attitude. And I think because of the rest of the questions he asked, I think he's going to be okay. But I see that too often. People are making decisions on consoles based on preference and what they're considering will make them better, not the simple things like budget and I.O. Like those two things really should, to me, should drive everything about the console. If on your list of pros and cons about a console are things like parallel compression and delay compensation with plugins and and things like that, you're doing it's the wrong thing, especially with church, right? We're in competition with the poor when we're spending money. So any dollar you don't spend on gear gets to be spent on the mission of the church. Lee's starting to preach again, y'all. Look out. Sorry. Is it getting too serious? We need to tell no, a joke to cut it up no, a little? It's, it's good. I think the other, the other thing that I would say is if there was a real need for a different console, let's say, you know, not necessarily in the case of the Avid, but let's say you're dealing with a console that is losing its... Uh, support by the manufacturer, sure. Or you're you're you are out of outputs, or you're running low on processing, or things. If there's a real concern where you need to replace a console, that's great. Let's talk about what are the most uh, wise choices in the budget range that you can afford. In this case, I mean, to go from where they were to SSL, you're you're leapfrogging so many other great options along the way for example there are tons of things by digico that have more io than you would ever want to have that would be a great option or yamaha or you know even even the allen heat d live and things like that it's like there's a 30 to forty thousand dollar price range that would be a really nowadays a really viable alternative so then you don't have to compromise your cameras and your you know the other core needs that you need for this if the purpose is broadcast audio is one of the components of that but not the main component of your broadcast so um i just think it was an irresponsible conversation i'll tell you a, a an example that fits this perfectly we did a massive remodel here at, at our church back in 2009 and over the next few years we didn't leave i mean we there was no space we owned that didn't get remodeled. So that's pretty cool. Uh, when we were remodeling the big room, uh, that was pretty much used as uh, kind of the, the office of the production team. I mean, we were very, very highly involved in all the de- all the, the uh, details of what went into that. And that was when, uh, Lee, I was actually going to jump into digital consoles, 2009. Yeah. And I had specified a digital console platform I was going to use, and that was great. And I figured now's the time to do it. That's cool. Somewhere along that remodel process and that budgeting process, 
uh, which, man, we're a big place. There's a lot going on, but it's all scaled. We, we've still got a budget here, just like everybody else has a budget. It's just scaled to, to the amount of income and outflow and all that. We made a decision to change uh, and go from video projection to LED. That's quite popular now in a lot of churches. But me handling the budget on all of the production build out, I knew that if we did that, the digital platform I had spec'd was done. There's no way I can make both work. I had a bottom line we cannot go past. But it was a thing of, I had to sit down and make a tough decision. Because not only am I the, the production lead, I'm the audio guy, I'm mixing. I want things to be cool, right? Who wouldn't? We all want it to be awesome. But I was like, these people are giving all of these millions of dollars, trusting us to make the right decision. Trusting me. They don't even know who I am. But there is some kind of trust that someone's made a decent decision in hiring me and putting me here and giving me a responsibility to do the right thing. To Andrew wanting to stroke the ego of the audio engineer, I need to get all the cool stuff for me. To Andrew, the production manager who's looking at this as a shepherd over sheep, part of the team that's um, giving, um, making good decisions on behalf of all these people that gave it, I knew I had to make the other decision. So when I approved LED, my digital options and my visions of grandeur went out the door. I've never regretted that. And so a lot of people are like, oh, you stayed with analog because you're just so cool. I didn't correct them because why not? You know, sure, I'll take that. <laughs> hey, I'll take all the people calling me cool I can get. Heck yeah, man, I need it. So, but that's really why I stuck with analog so long. Because we didn't have the money to do it right. And there's something about that. I think in the situation you, you brought up, Jeff, it's like, man, dude, don't take advantage of the system just because you have the ability. I could, I could send our pastor down the wrong road, every, all of us could, every single day if I didn't examine or check my motives. Yep. I remember one time he told me, somewhere after, in all this remodel, and we were having, having an issue in one of the rooms of just, you mean we have to replace that too? You know, it was one of those conversations. And our senior pastor at the time, he just said, you know what, I've received the worst technical advice over the last 20 years just because no one was thinking about the long term and thinking about the big picture and man, what's better for the room, what's better for our people. Those are big, big decisions that I honestly feel someday we're going to have to answer and account for that. We really are. Yeah. I mean, you put it on a spiritual level, you're going to have to account for that crap. What, Absolutely. Did, what advice did you give uh, a lead team or a senior pastor or an executive pastor, what advice did you give them that to steer them? Was it the right thing? Was it the very best thing you could come up with at the time? You know, based on your knowledge and your skill set? Man, that is a freaking huge, huge uh, way to look at this stuff. And so I look at that, you know, do we replace a console in that with that set of terms? at stake and i'm like crap no you, yeah. you you have to make another different decision absolutely and to lee's point about you know the way i say it all the time is it ain't the arrow it's the indian 
right? Yep. The tools are the tools are great, but until the person sitting behind the console is as good as he can be or she can be, until the until the the console is the limiting factor on their ability, their ability has to come up and up and up. And especially in this conversation, if you're talking about uh, an expenditure differenti- differentiation of $100,000 right. that could go into better acoustics or better speaker deployment or... Or planting a, a great, church. Planting a church, right. Right. I mean, but I'm just talking from the technical. Right. Like, let's... Let's get a really great room tuning and see how far that, down the road that can get us before we invest untold thousands of dollars in a console that might not have the better experience for your volunteers. It might be way more difficult to train people on. You know, it yeah, it's bright and shiny and it sounds really good, but man, what are the other roads that that's going to complicate as you move forward? Or well, let's yeah. uh, let's invest in some training for the engineer. And the volunteers, let's get some mentors. Let's let's make sure that all that is as good as it can be. When I started here, one of the questions they asked me, it was kind of a fearful question. Are you going to tell us that we need to replace everything? Is that is that the first thing you're going to do? And, you know, because I think at the time that was like, they don't know what kind of dollars that might mean. And I didn't know it. I didn't know that they were fearful of it at the time of that answer. But I just said, Guys, I haven't even been in the room and mixed in here yet. So why don't we go see how the room sounds and see how the PA reacts and see what the console is. In fact, I didn't even know what the console was. But I was looking at the size of the church going, they haven't been doing a bad job. People's lives are getting changed and the place is full every single service. So we're not in disaster mode. We're just in let's get it better mode. And I remember that answer was just, why don't we just do the best we can with what we've got. And I spent that first year or so was all about teams. Let's work on volunteers. How come there's no qualified audio volunteers when there's 12 or 15,000 people running through here every weekend? Where are they? It was things like that that started making us better, not getting a new console. That's awesome. All right. Well, it is the that time in the podcast. We have a very, very special guest um, I met this guy, oh gosh, I don't know, four or five years ago. This is the type of guy that like you, you read about and you watch all the interviews and then you meet them and just hope that they're like not a jerk. And then you meet them in person and they're just way cooler to hang out with in person. Um, Robert Scoville is the front of house engineer for Tom Petty. I mean, this guy, uh, he, I, he'll probably listen to this and he's probably going to hate that I'm going to say this, but you guys can agree or disagree. He may be the most famous and most talented guy that does what we do in the history of the galaxy. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a really well. long time. I mean, our industry's only been around for about 50 years or so. So that's, it is what it is. But, um, uh, Yeah gem of a guy and this interview is really awesome so here you go mix you interview robert scoville part one robert is an award-winning engineer that has worked for the likes of def leopard prince rush tom petty and oh what's that did i drop a name there my apologies let's get to the interview 
I thought we'd start, Robert, just by you kind of just filling us in a little bit on what you're up to. Yeah. You know, I know the, has the Petty current tour started yet or are you still? Yeah, it's a big long list. That's for sure. I mean, you know, I, I mean, obviously I'm still working full time with Avid and, uh, you know, January is always a, a really, really busy time where we're making plans for the year, et cetera. And, you know, uh, you know, it seems like every couple of years I get to lump, you know, a Tom Petty world tour in on top of that. And, uh, you know, this year, you know, we started planning for it very early. I mean, we kind of knew this was in the wind uh, late last year. So, I mean, literally January 1, we kind of hit the ground running and uh, started putting together plans. And, you know, it was technically for us, it was going to be a big challenge because we were going to switch over to new consoles, the next generation of venue consoles and all kinds of stuff there. So uh, we'll be our second tour with the Anya PA uh, for AW. So we feel a lot better about that. You know, we, we've had a full run with it now. Um, so we feel really good about that and excited about what we're going to do uh, with that PA system. But needless to say, you know, the last, uh, let's call it eight weeks now, if not, where are we at? Where are we at? April? Okay, like I was saying, last 12 weeks, uh, <laughs> we have just been heads down, you know, putting together every planning, every inch of this thing. So, and now we're in uh, kind of rehearsal mode. Uh, we spent a week, uh, last week at um, Tom's, we call it the clubhouse, which is just where, you know, his big warehouse facility where we, you know, where he records his records and we go in there to prep for tours, et cetera. And then we move it over into a place uh, here in uh, Van Nuys called Showbiz Studios, which is a much bigger stage. We can actually put up a full size uh, stage width here and they can get used to the stage size. And then next week we'll move into over on the Sony lot and move into full lights, PA and everything. So, you know. All that's going and then on. When, when, for sure. when does the tour start? Tour starts. Uh, I want to say our first date is <laughs> Andrew probably knows this. April twenty second, something twentieth. 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 There you go. So April twentieth. Yeah. So we're right around the corner now. We you know everybody's got their their ears pinned back right now and getting ready. So. Well, at at the Passion Conference this year here in Atlanta, I had the pleasure of working with Andrew Dowling, who was out with you guys uh, on the last run. And man, what a great tech. I mean, just super smart and super nice guy. I'm sorry for you that he's not um, out with Claire anymore, but, or EAW, I mean, because he, yeah. I guess Claire scooped him up and now he's working for them. So, well, what, you know, the, the really cool thing that I'm learning, uh, you know, being the old guy now, I get to be the old salty dog on the road now, is that there's a whole lot of really good young guys out there right now. Yeah. And, you know, the, you're, to some degree, I mean, this is going to sound weird to say this, but to some degree, I'm finding that it's better off to get younger guys involved now in very high level positions on the tour because they're not mystified by the technology. They, they don't see it as exotic. You know, I, I, and I kind of I've used this kind of example in the past, but I, I'm starting to realize I have to apply it to the guys that I'm working with now. You know, it, like I used to be amazed with my kids when they would just pick up an iPhone and start working or, you know, even get on a computer and they were just like, no, no problem. And it, it, that kind of stuff is as exotic to them as the toaster is to me and you, you know, I mean, it's just a, a normal thing. They don't see it as something new. And it's kind of that way with system techs now where I've had some very, very sharp, very young guys working with me that are not scared by networking. They're not scared by computers. They're not scared by any of that. They, they, they understand it implicitly and just accept it as part of the landscape. Whereas if you had somebody that was actually very experienced in touring, et cetera, they're actually 
intimidated by the technology now. And, and it can hurt you, you know, it, like, of course, they get they have the experience and the, the mindset. But in terms of the technical know how and the technical savvy, they can get kind of intimidated if they're not really up to speed on it. So it's it's really a weird dynamic, a weird balance right now. But having said that about Andrew, I mean, Andrew was absolutely spectacular. Uh, but the guy I have now, I, I think, is just as good, if not better, <laughs> to some degree. Sorry, awesome. Andrew, you know, I not, not mean to knock you there, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's absolutely great as well. You know, though, I think there's a huge lesson there for a lot of our audience who are maybe church guys who get very territorial and like, this is my sandbox and I don't want anybody else to come and play. And, you know, there's this sort of hands on the reins, closed fisted kind of approach. And man, what I hear you saying is, especially even for us old, older guys, it's like, that is no way to operate. In fact, you're doing yourself such a disservice by having anything but an open-handed, open-hearted kind of approach. Yeah, I, I think there's a... So what would you say to the church guy who maybe struggles with that um, in their little microcosm of a world? Well, I, you know, my life experiences have told me uh, that people that hold on to things like that the tightest are the ones that are the most insecure about what they actually know. And, um, you know, I've seen this for many, many years in the recording industry. I've seen it for many, many years in the live sound industry. And I honestly, I have just never bought into that mentality. I, you know, I tell people all the time, here's how I do it. Here's, here's what I use. You know, I can give you all of the stuff I do to show you exactly how I have it wired. And guess what? You aren't going to get the same result as me. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. right. Okay. Cause you and I listen different. We react different, et cetera. You know, there, there is no such thing as paint by numbers. So quit hiding your secrets even if I know how you do something, I'm still not going to get the same result you do. Okay. So everybody relax, relax. If, if your job is resting, your job security is resting on you holding on to this knowledge or this technique or whatever it is, the job probably ain't worth having anyway. So that's great. With it. Because you were so close when digital consoles hit the street, when they first came out, you know, 10, 15 years ago, well, yeah. maybe longer than that now. Did you notice people start holding on to those flash drives like that? Oh, oh, without a doubt. With the, uh, they saw that coming right away. And I, I, yeah. I was one of the first ones to go, guys, <laughs> you need to. <laughs> I mean, there's so, other, so many other STEM conversations we can have as a result of that. But I was like, guys, just, I mean, relax here. And none the least of the reasons. And I actually hosted an, an entire AES panel on this. I don't, I, I don't know if you were there, Lee. Uh, for some reason, I want to believe you were there. But I hosted one on the legalities of that. Like, I was not there, but I would have been. You know, because most people are very uh, hesitant to realize that when you're working for an artist and you build that right. show file, the artist owns that show file. That is, that is a work for hire. End of story. Not up for debate. Legal precedent. Okay, so everybody, you know, if you tried to hold that file, like if you got fired from the job and took that file... Yeah. That's no different than you getting fired from work and driving away with the company car. It's exactly <laughs> the same thing. You're going to get arrested for exactly the same thing. Take wow. art out of it. There is no art involved there. It's a work for hire, folks. Sorry. That's great. Man, I love that. That is so true. We've all been in those situations, uh, you know, like in the church market where someone, you know, they maybe they recorded a record while they were you know the church yeah. sponsored or something like that and they 
when it comes time to leave and they're like, okay, where's the master tapes? And it's like, well, they're not with you. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, no. we're laughing, but it's, it's not funny. I mean, that's a, a reality out there. It's you know? right. Yeah. And I think your, um, your career has proven how helpful it is and how just, I think part of the reason that everybody has the respect and the admiration for you that they do, that we all do is that attitude coming from you that says, you know what, I'm just here to kind of learn what I can and give away what I know. And we're in this together. And I think that that resonates, you know, as an example, it just resonates with all of us yeah. so well. And we just need to always remind ourselves that that's, well, that's especially in the church, it should be the most healthy I, I'm glad in that, you said that context. Especially so in the church. I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because I mean, I've kind of held that belief, whether I'm in the secular world or working in the church world, that that is a servant's role. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you are there to serve many, many masters there. You know, you are not the master of that domain. So everybody take, take a breath, you know? So speaking of giving stuff away, why don't you talk to us, if you would, about just kind of your general approach, like when you, especially now in rehearsal, is there, um, in terms of workflow and approach and just things, um, excuse you use drums as an example. Um, you know, are you, are you changing anything uh, tour to tour? Do you kind of experiment with something new or try to find a new workflow or a plug-in or something that might be a little different from or you know, where you were last time? Or is it kind of just uh, let's start where we left off and, and build from there? Well, I mean, I have the luxury of uh, being with this band now for, you know, I'm going to have to do the math, 22 years <laughs> So, you know, there's always going to be a picking up point where you left off. Um, sure. But we, like, we are really good in this organization. I'll give us some props here. We're really good at this organization of kind of putting in some checkpoints for that. You know, because it's easy just to kind of always think, well, we're always going to be improving. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you? We're, that's, okay, I think that sounds better. Okay, let's use that. But we're, we are really good at kind of going back and checking that. It's kind of, at some point you kind of go, well, wait a minute. Is that really better than what we used to have, or did it just excite us for the day? Let's let's go back and check it, you know. Yeah. And we have ways of doing that. Certainly in this organization now, with uh, the way we handle multi-track recording, et cetera. You know, like I'll give you an example. I have Pro Tools sessions built up, uh, for especially spe specifically for when I'm in rehearsals. That in terms of takes in the session, I have takes of previous tours. So in a in a stacked sense, I can look at. Okay, that's the 2014 version of Breakdown. Okay, there's the 2000. If I roll back another take, that's the 2010 version, the 2007 version, the 2005 version. And I can compare what we were doing drum sound wise there to what we're doing today and kind of go, yeah, okay, we're making headway there. Yeah, we're doing good there. Okay, guitar really sounds. Cool. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. We stepped backwards there. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go back to what we were doing there. You know, and we try to keep really kind of meticulous notes on, you know, okay, what amp, what guitar was being played there, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Almost, yeah. like a, almost like a studio project, like that kind, it, of, it's, that kind of documentation. It's absolutely that, uh, without question. It just spans, you know, a matter of years as opposed to a matter of takes on a given record. You know, like if we were comping guitars on a, working on a record or comping vocals, then we're, we're in a kind of a vertical fashion. We're, we're comparing takes there and saying, okay, I like that line, I like that word, et cetera. Uh, we're not actually comping. We're just using that method to compare, you know. Have you found yourself going like, yeah, this snare drum's great, but, oh, what was it in 2010? And you turn that on and you go, okay, that's the best one we've ever had. What kind of drum was that? What kind of mic was I using? Yep. Yep. 
That's exactly the process. You know? And yeah, it, it's, awesome. it's beautiful because it gives you, it takes away the romance of it, you know, because all bands suffer from this and all humans suffer from this where you think, oh man, what we were doing in 1989, that was the business. We need to get back to that. Yeah. Only to kind of get back here and go, okay. What's the phrase? The, old, the older I get, the better I was. That's it right there. <laughs> stealing. Hashtag stealing <laughs> that. <Yeah>. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when you so so you're in a you're a you're in a rehearsal hall now. When you walk in, you said you started preparing mm-hmm. for this quite a bit in advance. What's that? When you say that, what's that? What's that? Actually well, this mean? is a podcast, so I can't really show you. Um, yeah, I but actually is that inputs and stuff like that, or is it a bigger? Well, that's the minimum of it. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, we. I use. Uh, I actually talked about this at AES this year. I did the or not AES at NAM. I did a keynote for NAM and. Uh, you know, the kind of the theme of the the keynote was, you know, preparing uh, to go on the road. What do you actually do to prepare to go on the road? And and it, it, you're going to be surprised at the topics we talked about. But one of them was certainly the logistics of it. And I, you know, I pointed out to everybody that over the past, I guess it's got to be since probably 2012 now, maybe. I'm going to guess 2012. I have been taking advantage of Evernote. Uh, I use a cloud-based storage uh, called Evernote. And on there is an is every tour that we've done all of the documentation that we've created or gathered for a given tour. So it's got a signal flow diagram for our Maddie setup at the front of house, signal flow diagram for MIDI, signal flow diagram for every patch that we've done, every PA patch, every IP address, everything is stored in there in that archive. And we start like for this year, starting January one, we started building that for 2017. So, you know, every signal flow diagram, diagram that has to do with the entire stage PA system front of house and monitors is in that Evernote file. And I, I give access to that to all the crew members. So on a given day, I could not be at the show and they could have their cell phone and get on Evernote and go, I need to know how that rack is wired. Boop. And there it is. You know, they don't have to wow. go search it, et cetera. And you got, I mean, we're so complex right now in these big systems. You've got to have a repository for that information. You know, you can't just grab a flashlight and start looking anymore. That doesn't mean anything anymore, you know. I mean, it means something to a degree, but to, for the most part, we've got to know how things are interconnected before we ever open up the rack, you know. It's a bit like you're valuable to the tour when you're not behind the desk. Like, if you weren't there, you yeah. know, how well are things documented? Like, your value isn't necessarily, like, well, I, you need to pay me because I'm the only guy who knows how that rack's wired. Well, they're certainly not paying me because I'm a good mixer. <laughs> So. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> False. <laughs> yeah, <a> liar. <laughs> it can't be that. I mean, come on. Uh, but you know, so I, when I think we talk about, are, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step ahead. on you. Go ahead. Just, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say those those things serve uh, kind of two things. You know, being able to be that kind of organized and be able to be that kind of together. At, at least for me, I'll speak personally for me now, because they they really uh, remove anxiety from my day. You know, like yeah. just as a just as in terms of mental comfort, it's like, OK, I know no matter what goes on, no matter what goes wrong, I have a path to go find that out and figure it out. Mm-hmm. You, know? Uh, I, you know, nothing. Again, you want to kind of take the mystery out of it. Uh, I'm all about building constants on a tour. OK, day to day to day. This right here is the same. I know I can count on that. Uh, I know what parts of the day are going to be variable, and those are things I'm going to have to attack on a day-to-day basis. You know, I can't have things that are constants turn into variables for me; otherwise, it gets unwieldy. I can't manage it. You know, that's good. That's great. It's kind of like the way you say it at your place, Lee, where maximum 
preparation allows for maximum flexibility and creativity. It's like we, we can be ultimately creative if we're ultimately prepared. Yep. It's not boxing anybody in. No, it's actually right. preparing for the things that are knowable so yeah. that when the, when the unknown or the, the creative moment happens, we're ready to go with it because everything else is so meticulously yeah. taken care of. Yeah, it's, it's way more work up front to set up a system and an eco- ecosystem production-wise that's set up for an artist to be uber flexible and still win than it is to say, nope, this is what we're doing and these are your only options. You need to s- stick to this. It's way more work to have a flexible environment, but the outcomes are way better. Yeah. My opinion. We, we tend to talk about it on a musical level with Tom and the band sometimes, and, and they're, they're absolutely stellar at doing this kind of mindset of putting boundaries in place on a given, let's say a given song, put a boundary in place on the song so that at some point in the song, we can go completely outside the boundary. I mean, we can, yeah. we can go outside and know where we need to come right back in and, and finish the song. You know, it's like, you've got to have those boundaries to know where you can be free. You know, I mean, it just sounds weird to say it, but that is the truth. And uh, e- even when I was producing and doing other things, you know, it was always trying to, it was always a matter of trying to get people to buy into that. And it's hard to get right brain people to buy into that concept of boundaries are useful for you. You know, yeah, boundaries no are going to unlock your freedom. And the one I always use with musicians when I'm, you know, dealing with them is like, look, a key signature is a boundary. Okay. A key signature yeah. is a boundary. And if you can be creative inside that key signature, you can be infinitely creative, you know, going outside the boundary of a key signature and just saying, well, I'm going to play this note that is not in the key signature because that's my art. That's not being creative. <laughs> that's being defiant. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not. being creative is being creative inside the boundary. I, and, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but I, you know, I discovered a thing. My mother actually turned me on to this, uh, this study that was done once. And I, I, it always stuck with me. I, I always remember thinking that is the answer right there. That is the key to so much of what we do right there. And it was this study of schoolyards. Have you, are you guys familiar with this? Yes. Have you heard this yes. thing where they we put up a fence or let it be completely wide open and wh- yep. how the kids reacted to that? Mm-hmm. You know, when there was a fence, I'll, I'll just redo it for the listeners if they want to hear it. When they put up the fence, the kids went to the fence and played in every inch of the schoolyard. They took advantage of every piece of it when the fence was up. When they took the fence down, kind of signifying, okay, you're ultimately free now to do anything you want to do. They all huddled to the middle of the field. Wow. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. So, you know, there's safety in boundaries, you know, for sure. And, and you can be anything you want, you know, be inside the boundary. So, you know, I don't know how we got off on this, but you know, you get it. (laughs) But that's how it works with kids, right? I mean, you know, the ultimate freedom is found from within those guardrails, right? I mean, there are certain things that you are just restricted from, but man, within these rules, you can do anything you right. want. I mean, that's... And, you know, kid, I mean, I have kids and I've, I've experienced this very thing. I, of course, I'm sure you guys have as well, you know, but, you know, they're going to rebel against it at all costs. You know, they, they think they shouldn't have any boundaries, but psychologically, they're counting on those boundaries. They're counting yes. on them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've got to put them in place, you know. Yeah, just like great. lighting guys. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Just like lighting guys. You know, tell them like, hey, this is it, man. <laughs> That's good. 
not where I was going at all. Not where okay. I, was going I need at all. I need lighting guys because I need a budget to cut so I can get more audio stuff. It's very simple. There it is. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing your seeing your workflow and your rig up close and all that that uh, takes a really keen personality for the person that's going to be your system engineer or your A2. Um, how do you, that's not somebody that just shows up first day of rehearsals and you go, oh, hey, how are you? Or is it? No, no, it's how not. How do you figure that out? That's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I, I mean, I had to go through it with, uh, you know, when I knew Andrew was not going to be available to do this tour. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of had some long, I won't say heated, heated is not the right word, but intense conversations with the sound company about it going, okay, guys, you know what this is. You know, you know what I'm going to demand out of this. You got to find me the right guy here. I, you know, yeah. I, this is as this is as much about personality as it is technical skills, because from a personality standpoint of view, they are going to get challenged here big time. You know, this is this is not you, you just can't send me the brainiac and think he's going to work out here because I'm counting on more than just his technical knowledge. Like, for instance, I, I, Andrew, you've been to my show, so you, you've seen kind of what goes on there. But, you know, I'm counting on them very heavily as a pair of ears in that venue. Like, you know, I, I've got to know that when I say to you, hey, go off, go up in the loge here and tell me what it's like up there, that they can come back and communicate that in a way that I can understand it. And I have to respect their opinion of what they think sounds good versus what they don't think sounds good, you know. And by the same token, and mm -hmm. this, this sounds a little shallow to say it, but they've got to know how to come back and say that kind of thing to me if it's bad. Right. And not completely emotionally rip me apart during the show where I'm, now I'm completely distracted because I'm angry. You know, I, it's just one of those things, you know. And it's not necessarily that I'm angry at him, but I'm angry because we aren't getting the result that we got up there. Yeah. You know, or that we need up there. So it's, man, it's a, it's, it's not a, not an easy gig. That dynamic is, that dynamic is huge. I think that dynamic is something that resonates not only uh, when you're in a touring market. I mean, that's a huge one at a church. Huge one at a church. Well, we're back. Man, I tell you what, every time I listen to Robert and uh, or talk to him, I'm just inspired on a whole different level with where he's coming from and his heart for and passion for what he's doing. Um, what's interesting is when we did this interview uh, with Robert, he was in rehearsals for the tour they're on now. Um, so that's that was uh, kind of cool. We're talking to him, and the, he's on some sound stage at was it Sony or something like that? Yeah, somewhere something in LA. Like that. It was just it was just really surreal watching that, and I've I think we've all been able to see him and hang out with him a little bit over the last few years. But I they happened to do their opening night uh, in Tulsa, which was just a couple weeks after we had talked to him, and so I went down and hung out with him for the day. And I'll just tell you what, whether you're a a petty fan or not, you cannot deny being there in the presence of someone like that, who's done this so much and for so long, the dedication to his craft. He really does know the heart of what he's doing. And these are not Christian acts or something on stage, but man, Robert just has a heart and passion that shines through what he does. You watch him with his attention to detail. I don't, man, do you guys, I don't know if anybody that pays that much attention to detail at front of house and just with his rig and how he no, tackles totally. a mix. I think guys that usually do what we do are either really good system techs or really good 
mixers, and he really is both. He's both. It's it's yeah. the craziest thing. I've never seen someone be like the best in the world at both of those. He's a freak of nature. So he is a freak of nature. So we've uh, I know Lee and I hang out with him one day, and he he was pivotal a few years ago on helping me understand um, some of the decisions I was going to have to make about moving from analog to digital. And I've flown out and seen him on my own dime a few times just to honestly, to go get inspired. Yeah. That's really what it was. Um, Just to watch someone who's good at their craft is a, is a good thing to do. So anyway, again, he, if he listens to this, he's probably going, Oh, shucks guys. But you know, uh, if you get the opportunity to catch him somewhere, uh, it really is a great time to be inspired uh, and watch someone who's excellent, excellent at their craft, you know, at the top of their game. So, yeah, and I know that he's started a video blog lately. So for those of you who don't know much about Robert or want to sort of get more of a key into his brain and how he thinks about stuff, um, you can find him on YouTube for sure. And he's posting all of those yeah. uh, video blogs regularly. So this guy, he's go a machine. find him and check him out. Yeah, he's a machine. He's a those blogs. He's, he dedicates a portion of the blog to just making sure everybody knows what his daily workout regimen is in these arenas. And he's doing stairs in arenas and like 300 pushups and all this stuff. And, uh, it's, it's actually pretty sickening if you, if you watch it and just realize what he's, you know, what his day's like, but don't tell my wife it's possible to be fit on tour. (laughs) Don't let her see YouTube. Right. So anyway, so he, anyway, at, at those shows, it's always great. It sounds good, man. It's it's really cool when you go see him because almost every time he's got an arena made of concrete and glass and very very reflect hard reflective surfaces sounding really good. So I know that I'm always impressed with that. Tell me, uh, so that's somebody who I've seen recently. Who have you guys seen uh, recently? Just that left a left a mark on you. Just the way it was sounding. Lee, you got anybody? Uh, let's see. Uh, I went to the Kanye show. Oh yeah. In the fall. It did. I tell you what though about that. It, um, I, I follow the guy who makes front of house on Facebook. His name's Toby. He actually got nominated for front of house guy of the year for that tour. And then he posted on Facebook to his peers. Hey, please don't vote for me. It was like six channels. It was not that hard, but I tell you what, like I went to that show because of the creative process, what they were doing with the lighting and the staging was really interesting. Um, Cause I didn't want you to think I was a Kanye fan. I mean, I am, but you're really going to judge me. So uh, it, the PA in there, I, there had to have been 150 boxes in the air that covered so the I, whole floor. So the guy who did the uh, system teching for that show was also the same guy. They, so he now works for Claire. Okay. And Claire pull, Claire hired him from Sound Image off the Kanye tour. And one of the first events he did was Passion this year. Okay. And so he was telling me about the way they had to deploy the PA for that show. And because it was so unique with the stage and there were no seats on the floor right. for these arenas. So the only way he could deploy the subs and get the kind of energy that they wanted from the low end he had the subs lined around yep. the, 
the dasher wall of the arenas facing in. 56 subs pointing straight at people's kidneys. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, he said it was just the biggest challenge of his career. And they had 20 arrays of right. speakers throughout the arena. Yeah. So he had 20 line arrays and 56 subs on the right. floor pointing in to, a no, to, to not a stage. Yeah, that was the craziest part for me was he's he's on a moving platform. It was probably like a 20 by 20 platform. And the vocal was screaming loud and no feedback. That was the craziest part for me. So uh, I'd love to ask him how he did this. But I then went to the Ariana Grande tour. Keep judging. Um, and he was mixing in front of house at that. And the catwalk at the Ariana show was really long. I mean, it went basically all the way to front of house and he had her mic on three channels, a stage channel, uh, like a halfway down the catwalk channel and a fully down the catwalk channel. And so he was processing all three of them to treat them differently from where she was at in the arena. And I, I just thought that was cool. That is cool. That's very cool. Well, I'm mixing right now at a high school youth camp. So <laughs> For me, the best concert is every night. <laughs> That's awesome. They That's really all- are killing it. It's, that- it's great. <laughs> You're serious. I was waiting for They're the punchline, and then I realized, oh. No. Um, that painting on the wall behind you right now does look like a <laughs> Thomas Kincaid painting that have all made their way down to the panhandle of Florida. We're, we're doing it, baby. Lower Go Alabama. I like to call that Lower right. Alabama. Jeff, you're worldwide. Oh, it it's, all, it's all happening for you right now. Whew, it's something, I'll tell you. Well, I guess that wraps it up for today. We would like to thank you all so much for tuning in to the very first episode of the Mix You podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends. We'd love to have as many people engaged in these conversations as we can. Please rate the podcast uh, if it's a good rating. And we'd love to have you connect with us on social as well so we are at mxurockas that's at mixurocks you can also check out our website mxu.rocks pretty easy to remember and we'd love more than anything to meet you in person so please sign up if you haven't already for our Tulsa event coming up on July 17th the website will also fill you in on our upcoming dates in Atlanta Dallas DC so we just can't wait to see you Thanks so much for being here today. Guys, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And we'll see you next time. See you later. See you later.